Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick, helping technology and life sciences companies thrive at every stage of growth. Online at Fenwick.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Tensions are high throughout the country as we enter election week, and California is no exception. This was the scene this weekend on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, where a confrontation broke out on Saturday afternoon between supporters of President Trump and a group demonstrating against him. Police in Beverly Hills were there in riot gear, trying to keep the two groups separate while scuffles broke out. Many businesses there have been boarding up their windows in case there's violence or other unrest this week. That's been the case in cities and towns up and down the state in recent days. Well, more than 22 million people are now registered to vote in California. That's nearly 88 percent of those eligible. And according to the Secretary of State's office, it's the highest percentage heading into a general election in the last 80 years. Some of them started casting ballots in person over the weekend as polling places opened early in an effort to avoid crowds on Election Day. All registered voters received a ballot in the mail this year, but some people chose to return those ballots in person, like Judy Brissatori. I've read the uh, mail-in voters have gotten lost and, and all kinds of things. So I said, well, I don't want my, my uh, ballot to get lost. I want mine to go where it's supposed to go. And I feel that it's, it's a safer way to vote. In Los Angeles, voters can cast ballots in places like Dodger Stadium and the Hollywood Bowl, iconic venues large enough for voters to maintain physical distancing. The Oakland A's are hosting Alameda County's largest polling place at the Coliseum and Arena. And Governor Gavin Newsom cast his ballot on Thursday at the Golden One Center, home of the NBA's Sacramento Kings. We're going to head next door now to Arizona. The home of conservative icon Barry Goldwater has been a reliably red state in all but one presidential race since 1948. But this year, Democrats are convinced they have a shot at carrying it. That's prompted eager California Democrats to flood the zone, both literally and virtually, in the final days of this election. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos has this look. 
Purna McAdam lives in Palo Alto. She's a mom of two young kids, a nonprofit consultant. Like most working parents, she's got a lot on her plate. But like many Democrats, she was also appalled by President Trump's victory in 2016. It really made me feel like I needed to be more politically engaged and in a very active way as opposed to just a theoretical way before. So this year, she decided to get involved. For her, the safest, easiest thing was text banking persuadable voters in Arizona with help from the National Immigration Law Center. Even though it's just texting, Gadam says it was initially terrifying. I would say out of the like the first 200 texts that I would send, not a, a majority of them don't respond or ask to be opted, opted out. But then there are those voters who do engage. I spoke to one swing voter in Arizona that... Um, was really worried about the economy. And when I sent them different portions of the Biden-Harris website that had specific economic plans that really made sense to the voter. Gadam is not alone. Hundreds of Californians have signed up with groups like the National Immigration Law Center, which is contacting 130,000 persuadable voters in three battleground states, including more than 43,000 in Arizona. They're targeting Arizona because their polling shows the state's large Latinx population, as well as nonpartisan women, were open to a pro-immigrant message. Other groups, like the climate change-focused Sunrise Movement, are helping bring people to Arizona to canvas in person, with safety precautions in place, of course. And it's very, very safe. That's Pat Riley. She's a longtime Democratic strategist based in the Bay Area who spent part of last week canvassing in Maricopa County, Arizona. Arizona has actually become a model for other states in arranging a field program. They've got an epidemiologist that they're working with. You need to go through a COVID health training. You've got all the PPE gear. You feel very cared for. Riley says she's been moved by how many of her fellow volunteers are young people, many of them people of color, who are getting politically involved for the first time this year. And they're joined by every day an increasing number of volunteers, I must say a huge number of them from California, who are coming down, um, young Californians who are taking the time to really ensure that um, every vote counts. These outside groups are not going to stop reaching out to voters until the polls close, says Archana Sagal. She's director of the polling and outreach program that the National Immigrant Law Center created to help Democrats win key battleground states. And we know that Arizona has captured a lot of the spotlight among Californians. And it's understandable. It's a neighboring state. It has one more electoral vote than Wisconsin does. And there's the added appeal of flipping a red state to blue. If Democrats prevail in the Grand Canyon state, they may have Californians to thank. For The California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. In the final stretch of this election season, Governor Gavin Newsom has been campaigning next door in swing state Nevada. The peak of this election season has coincided with California's epic fire season. And so his trip to Reno was a rare campaign outing this year for the governor. The presidential race, of course, has big implications for his agenda here at home. Joining me now is Sacramento Bee reporter Sophia Bolag, who was on the trail with Newsom. And Sophia, what did he have to say to Nevadans yesterday? Yesterday afternoon, Newsom did several events in Nevada. He spent about four hours in the state. And most of it was really just pumping up volunteers who were going out to drop flyers um, at you know homes in the Reno area in support of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, He also did a sort of a roundtable type event 
with some LGBTQ leaders in the state. Really, this was uh, the first big in-person campaign event he's done this election cycle. And that's for a couple of reasons. I mean, the fire season here has been really destructive and it's taken up a lot of his time. Also, of course, the pandemic, that's limiting everyone's ability to travel and and be at events in person. Um, And Republicans threw some shade at him for hitting the trail. What did they have to say? And how did he respond to that? They sort of implied that he should be focusing more on issues in California. I mean, California is facing a lot of problems right now. The uh, Republican Party of California called out uh, problems at the Employment Development Department uh, with the state's unemployment program, um, as well as the state's ongoing uh, homelessness crisis. When I did talk to Newsom uh, a little earlier, this is before the Republican Party weighed in, but he acknowledged that his job that he was elected to do is not campaigning for Democrats as he was doing on Sunday. But he said that he really thinks that this election is so important and is going to have a lot of implications for California. Newsom is, of course, a Democrat himself, and he uh, has been really pushing for more federal stimulus money for states. Uh, Right now, Congress is deadlocked. And Newsom really thinks that if Democrats are able to take the White House and also regain control of the Senate, that that would change and that more money might flow to California. Sacramento Bee reporter Sophia Bolag, thank you so much for making the time. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. On Friday, Newsom was in Southern California unveiling a new high-speed COVID-19 testing lab. As KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, Newsom says it will double California's coronavirus testing capabilities by next March. The new $25 million lab will be able to process up to 150,000 COVID-19 test kits daily, with the results sent to patients in less than two days. Diagnostic company Perkin Elmer has been contracted to run the lab. Newsom said the contract significantly drops the cost of each test from $150 to just $37 and creates more competition. We are taking the average cost of 150 and bringing it down by roughly one-fifth and creating a competitive environment where people will continue to now look for cheaper ways of providing something that in the past uh, they frankly had no choice. Newsom said the new lab will help handle the increase in tests as flu season approaches since COVID-19 and the flu have similar symptoms. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier. 
Well, the head of California's embattled Employment Development Department is stepping down. As we've been reporting, the EDD, which distributes unemployment benefits, has been flooded during the COVID-19 pandemic. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has more on the departure. EDD's director, Sharon Hilliard, came into her role just this past February, right before the COVID-19 lockdown seized the economy. At that time, the state's unemployment rate was the lowest it had been since the late 80s, at just under 4%. But by April, it had spiked to more than 15%. Because of the record low unemployment that preceded the pandemic, EDD was especially understaffed and was also getting ready to overhaul a dated technology system. But the agency still hasn't rectified these staffing and tech issues sufficiently enough to fix the bottlenecks they've each created, which have left more than a million Californians still waiting for benefits. EDD has told lawmakers that this current backlog of claimants likely won't be cleared till the end of January 2021. Hilliard has spent her whole career at EDD, starting as an intern at 19. But lawmakers have said for months that a change in leadership would be inevitable if the agency couldn't find a way to get more claimants their money. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. California voters are weighing Prop 23, a measure that would put doctors in dialysis centers. So far, two major dialysis providers have poured nearly $100 million into making sure that doesn't happen. Reporter Brett Simpson explains. Drive through any major urban area and you'll probably pass one, a DeVita or Fresenius dialysis clinic. Today's kidney treatment market is massive, and these two companies control most of it. They raked in over $2 billion in profits last year and operate nearly 600 clinics in California alone. But back in the 1960s, this life-saving treatment was extremely hard to come by. There were a lot more patients with end-stage kidney disease that needed dialysis than there were dialysis stations, if you will, to accommodate them. Jay Wish is a nephrologist at Indiana University. He says that back then, the treatment shortage was so extreme that ethics panels were deciding which patients deserved it. They were known as death committees. And basically, it was kind of, you know, a thumbs up if they were worthy and a thumbs down if they weren't worthy and then they died. In 1972, President Nixon signed a law requiring Medicare to cover all patients who need dialysis. At the time, only 10,000 people needed the treatment. Today, that's grown to nearly half a million. And with Medicare footing the bill, two major companies saw an economic opportunity. The opportunity that these dialysis companies saw was really just an opportunity to make profits. That's Paul Elison, an economist at Brigham Young University specializing in market consolidation. Last year, he co-authored a study looking at 4,000 dialysis clinic acquisitions over 12 years. Starting in the 90s, you see a trend towards consolidation that looks like it's on steroids. These companies bought out small clinics and took control of nearly 80% of the market. Elison's study found that the big chains slashed operating costs and squeezed more dollars out of Medicare by using costlier drugs. And it wasn't good for patients. Patients are hospitalized more. We see mortality rates increase. After acquisition on a variety of dimensions, patient outcomes got worse. When it comes to Proposition 23, Medicare hasn't found any evidence that putting doctors in dialysis centers is better for patients. 
But Elison says that the industry's dysfunction goes deeper. The big problem is really that the incentives to do what is best for the patient is at odds with what makes providers the most money. In the nearly $100 million they've poured into opposing the bill makes one thing clear. The bigger these companies get, the harder they'll fight back against control. For The California Report, I'm Brett Simpson. And that is The California Report for this Monday, November 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Make sure to get out there and vote if you haven't already. I'm Lily Dramali. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org/voices. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at perkinscoie.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.